We are all set. I think we're doing Beethoven as the prelude today. That's correct. Good morning, everyone. Morning, morning Jason. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus Christ, risen and triumphant, we come to you in sorrow for our sins and confess to you our weakness and unbelief. We have lived by our own strength and not by the power of your resurrection. We have lived by the light of our own eyes as faithless and not believing. We have lived for this world alone and doubted our home in heaven. Dear friends, hear the good news. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, God cleanses us from our sins, restores us in God's own image, and frees us to love to the praise and glory of God's holy name. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Almighty God, the resplendent light of your truth shines from the mountaintop into our hearts. Transfigure us by your beloved Son and illumine the world with your image. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Today's reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Word of God, word of life, thanks, thanks be, be to God. God. Jesus, oh for Jesus, all I am and have and ever hope to be. Jesus, all for Jesus. 
This is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And Jesus was transfigured before them, and his clothing became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly they looked around and saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Transfiguration is one of those feast days that's difficult to understand. Not just hard to understand theologically, but to understand what is even going on in the story. Usually, the elements of feast days are easy to imagine. Christmas has a baby born in a manger. Easter has an empty tomb. Pentecost has tongues of fire. But hearing the story of the transfiguration is like hearing someone tell you about the dream they had last night. It's just one non sequitur after the next. A surprise hiking trip, clothing as white as bleach, which seems not great for hiking, and then an argument about whether to build a pied-à-terre in the mountains. What exactly is going on in this story? Well, when you encounter a story that seems overwhelming in its amount of seemingly random detail, it helps to focus in on just one little part of it. And so today, I want to focus on one little part of this story, the presence of Moses and Elijah. The presence of Moses and Elijah in this story probably strikes us as an unnecessary addition on top of an already crowded story. If all this story was, was just Jesus's appearance being transformed in a voice from the heavens saying, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him, you would say that sounds like there's enough going on. Why do we need Moses and Elijah tacked on top of everything else? Well, there's the straightforward reason, and then there's the fun bank shot. Here's the straightforward part. Moses and Elijah are prophets. Moses was called by God to lead the Israelites out of slavery and through the wilderness. And Elijah famously proved the idol Baal was powerless compared to the Israelites' God. Moses and Elijah were both known figures in the Israelite tradition. There's a reason why when Jesus went up to give his famous sermon in Matthew's gospel, he gave a sermon on the mount. It's supposed to make you think about Moses giving instructions on Mount Sinai. And there's a reason why when Jesus asks the disciples who people say he is, the first answer they come up with is, you're Elijah. People's frame of reference for understanding Jesus is defined by people like Moses and Elijah who came before him. That's the straightforward part of the story. Here's the fun bank shot. You notice at the beginning of this reading, Mark tells us the story takes place six days later. And this is not just a way of counting days since the last thing happened. 
The imagery here is back to the first creation story from Genesis, where God creates everything that is in six days and rests on the seventh day. So the story's setting six days later is of creation entering into Sabbath, when everything is complete and when creation is simply meant to be enjoyed. What does creation look like when it's completed? Well, according to St. Mark, it looks like the humanity of Christ filled with the light of God. It looks like the authority of God's ways of being, being recognized in the world. And it looks like the voice of God filling creation. The transfiguration is a kind of preview of God's intention for all of creation. It's like someone took the ending of the story and then dropped it down into the middle. And this is why Moses and Elijah's seemingly superfluous presence in the story is so interesting. The implication here is that Moses and Elijah might have been known figures, but up until this point, the meaning of their lives haven't been fully understood. When Moses led the Israelites out of slavery, he was also preparing for humanity to be led out of death. And when Elijah showed the powerlessness of Baal, he was showing us the powerlessness of all the idols of wealth and violence that we grab onto to control our world. When Jesus is raised from the dead, we learn something new about Moses. And when the cross becomes a sign of hope, we discover something new about Elijah. Their lives carry meaning and significance that only becomes clear later. It only becomes fully recognizable to us in the light of Christ. Now, it's worth pausing for a second to just think about how radical of an idea this is. We are used to thinking about time as linear, that moves in one direction. It would be weird to say that you could only understand George Washington by learning about Abraham Lincoln, or that you could only appreciate Billie Jean King by watching Naomi Osaka. You have to take people on their own terms because time doesn't move backwards. But that's essentially the argument that Mark is making here. The time circles around on itself. The meaning of our lives and our vocation and our witness isn't contained by our own experience of them. To use St. Paul's image we see, but we only see through a veil. We weren't wrong about Moses and Elijah, but there was more going on there than we appreciated at the time. We aren't wrong about our own lives, but there's more going on than we fully appreciate too. Now this is coming close to a 2 a.m. college dorm conversation on the nature of time. So let's try to bring this back down to earth for a second. Every once in a while, I have to dig through the archives here at the church to find some old nugget of information when somebody was baptized or became a member or when some election happened. And when you're going through all these old binders and all these stacks of documents, it's always interesting to see the things that people were talking about. Because sometimes people are having big arguments about things that from our perspective really don't matter all that much. I recently came across minutes from an annual meeting from a few decades ago where there was very lively discussion about whether the church should have real flowers or fake flowers on the altar. It didn't really matter. 
sometimes we get ourselves all tied up in what we think is important, and then we look back and wonder what we were so concerned about. But sometimes the opposite is true too. Sometimes when you read these old minutes, there are little asides and things tossed in that end up becoming hugely important later on. The most impactful legacies begin not with a, here's my big idea that's gonna fix everything, but with a, oh, by the way, people really don't appreciate the good that they're bringing into the world when they're doing it. And that's what transfiguration is all about. It reminds us we never really know the full meaning of things until creation is completed. We never really know for certain what something means for us until the light of Christ shines on it. And that should give us a kind of humble courage as we look to the future. It makes us humble because it reminds us that our own efforts will be judged too. The meaning of our lives is never contained by our own intentions and the stories that we tell ourselves. Things that we think are incredibly important might turn out to be of less consequence than we thought. Whenever I go through the archives and scratch my head at what Pastor Swanberg was doing back in the 1960s, it helps to remember that decades from now, someone else will be scratching their head wondering what Pastor Charcuterie Pale was thinking in 2021. We study the past not because we want to pat ourselves on the back for being more enlightened, but because we need to remind ourselves that our vision is veiled and our own circumstances are constrained. And transfiguration should give us courage too, because it reminds us that the final judge, the ultimate metric of our efforts, isn't here yet. We have reason to go on loving and serving and working even when our efforts don't seem terribly important. The most consequential actions we engage in are not the ones that we finish and evaluate on a piece of paper. They're the ones we begin with the knowledge that we'll never really know the full outcome. As Reinhold Niebuhr once put it, nothing that is worth doing can be achieved in our own lifetimes. And therefore we must be saved by hope. And that's really why Moses and Elijah are in this story with Jesus, because we are there too. When Jesus is transfigured, it's not simply Moses and Elijah who are revealed next to him in a new way, but it's our own lives, our own efforts, our own so-called successes and thought to be failures and everything in between. Everything is saved by hope. Everything is made new. The veil is lifted and everything is held in the light. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. By Jesus, my Savior, for there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of the mighty My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength. 
every breath, all that I am, never seems to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. I invite you to unmute yourselves as we join the church around the world, confessing our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in God's Guided by Christ made known to the nations, let us offer our prayers for the church, the world, and all God's people in need. For the gospel proclaimed in word and deed, for communities of faith near and far, and for all who show the face of Christ throughout the world, let us pray. Have and mercy, O God. For creation, sun, moon, and stars, life forming in the dark earth and ocean deep, mountains, clouds, and storms, and creatures seen and unseen, for the Holy Spirit's guidance and our stewardship of God's creations. Let us pray. Have mercy. Have mercy. For those responsible for safety and protection, for emergency responders and security guards, attorneys and advocates, civil servants and government leaders, that they would witness to mercy and justice throughout the world. Especially this week, we pray for the people of Austria, Liechtenstein, and Switzerland. Let us pray. Have mercy. For all who suffer this day, that Christ, our healer, might transform sickness into health, loneliness into companionship, bereavement into consolation, and suffering into peace. If you have any intentions, I invite you to offer those at this time. Let us pray. Lord, may the houses we build, our towns and cities be places of hope and peace. 
May no hardness of heart close our doors in the face of people in need. May our workplaces be places where we trust one another, where people in their work count for something. May no discouragement hold us back from responsibly shaping your future. Let us pray. Have mercy. Have mercy, Have mercy oh God. With thanksgiving, we remember those who have died. Keep us in communion with all the saints until we at last find our rest in you. Let us pray. We offer these prayers in the name of the one who dwells with us, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. time we open things up for any announcements joys and concerns does anyone have anything you want to share with the congregation okay 
Buckle up. Uh, I got more than usual today. I'll try to get through these quickly. Uh, this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. We'll have our 12.15 spoken service and a 7 p.m. service with music and homily and sort of uh, a version like this. Uh, there are ashes in the Memorial Garden Dropbox if you want to swing by and pick up some in advance, that's great. Uh, communion is going to come back next Sunday. It's actually going to come back on Wednesday, but next Sunday will be the first time that we'll do it on a Sunday. Uh, so I would invite you before the service begins to just set out um, bread, wine, juice, whatever sort of setup uh, you want. And it'll be a little awkward the first time just because it's new, but I think it should sort of, you know, you do it twice and you've been doing it forever. Uh, so that's next Sunday. We have that to look forward to. Tomorrow, book group is going to meet at 1. Uh, they're reading a book. I can't read it. It got 3.9 on Goodreads. That's pretty good. Um, so that's at one. We have Sunday school confirmation at four today. Uh, you should have gotten information about that if you're participating. And then finally, thank you to everyone who did the uh, Super Bowl collection. Uh, I just got the final numbers this morning. We came up with about 135 cans of soup, eight bags of food, and about $300 in financial assistance. Uh, $255 designated to the Chiefs, none to the Bucks. I will let you make up your mind on what that means. Um, the last thing is just thank you to everyone who's been doing those remote small groups. I've had two conversations with people in the past week or so who connected with people they didn't really know. And they just thought, you know, it's going to be really awkward when I call this person and ended up having really nice uh, conversations. So that's great. So thank you to everyone who's doing that. And then we'll go to the next slide. This is the last announcement. This is Love Fund Weekend. Today's Valentine's Day. And so uh, many of the houses of worship in town are spreading the word about the Love Fund. There are two things I want you to know about the Love Fund. There are two ways you can support the Love Fund, neither of which relies on financial giving. One is if you are in need of financial assistance, please reach out to the Love Fund, 201-891-1782. You're eligible if you live and work in Wyckoff or, and you have children in your household below the age of 26. Uh, 26 is sort of the ACA cutoff. Um, all requests are kept confidential. We take that confidentiality very seriously. So please feel comfortable reaching out to us if you need assistance. The second way you can help, everybody can do this is spread the word about the Love Fund within your sphere of influence. Um, if you have doctors, soccer, coaches, crossing guards, whatever, uh, make sure they know about the Love Fund because every, everybody knows someone who would benefit. And it makes us feel good when we meet someone who needs help and we say, how did you hear about us? And they say, well, my friend told me that I should call you. That's great. Uh, so I would encourage everyone to feel comfortable doing that. So that is what I have. We'll go to the next slide for the blessing and dismissal. I invite you to receive the blessing. May Christ, whose glory fills the skies, fill you with radiance and scatter the darkness from your path. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Go in peace, flood the valley with light. Thanks be to God.